0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Table Church Podcast. Glad you're here. So, Megan. Um, I'm here. I, <laughs> hi, I see you. I have been doing a, a pop-up online community that is walking through some of the writings of Zoran Kierkegaard, mm. the Danish philosopher. Let
1: me stop you. You know what I think of every time I hear Kierkegaard? What? Wayne's World.
0: Do they talk about Kierkegaard? Yeah. Really? I don't know. I think that. he
1: just mentions his name. Oh.
0: Kierkegaard is um <laughs> he's got a lot of kind of he's got a lot of cool factor to him, it seems to me. He's like kind of the first existentialist and he was just kind of a maverick. Um so he's got a pretty high cool factor, it seems to me, among the philosophers. Like mm-hmm. if if you find out somebody's a Kierkegaard expert, you're like, Hey, that's kinda cool. Mm-hmm. If you find out someone's like a Hegel expert, you're like I don't care. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm trying to figure out what all the fuss is. Because people who are into Kierkegaard are into Kierkegaard. Mm -hmm. And um, I've read a couple of his books, and they're really good. But there's a whole lot going on that I just don't get, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, hey, here's a chance. So there's Mm -hmm. like this pop-up online community. It's six weeks long. There's like curated readings. Talk about it on Zoom. You can listen afterwards. Um, And anyway, can I just read a quote?
1: Yes, we should just back up a little bit. So like essentially... Is sen- ex- so essentially, like existentialism is like, where does meaning come from? Do we make it or is yeah, it like, bestowed it's, on us? I mean, it, it kind of. And they don't ask that question. They just say, right? Like, you don't really have meaning and that it's ascribed as you like.
0: Uh, so, ah, uh, boy, I wasn't prepared for this. But I'm, existentialism. In a nutshell. The philosophy that turns (laughs) its gaze towards our embodied existence and our finitude, and what it means to live authentically in light Uh of the fact that you're going to die,
1: uh huh, and stuff like like that. Like, what does that mean? Like, how do you have like a meaningful life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, and so I'm not sure that it it is probably is concerned with metaphysics and ontology as you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, early modern like Descartes and stuff like that, but. It is about
1: like your choices, mm -hmm. like your free choice to, yeah, determine the quality of life that you have.
0: Yeah, how to live a life of authenticity and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So anyway, and it can put some really, they can say some pretty cool stuff. I will say. So anyway, this is uh this is a line that I just highlighted because I laughed out loud at it when I read it, and this gives you a little taste of, um, Kierkegaard's swagger, if you will. (laughs) He says, "People with experience maintain." That proceeding from a basic principle is supposed to be very reasonable. I yield to them and proceed proceed from the basic principle that all people are boring.
1: That's funny. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny.
0: He, he's talking about philosophers. You know, you have to proceed from a basic principle in order to logic. You know, to to um, figure things out. Right. You start with like your first premise, and then you logically move out from there. He's like, fine, I'll do that my basic principle is that all people are boring. And Mm -hmm. then from there, he just launches into a whole, um, just a whole thing about how corrupting boredom is. And um, boredom (laughs) is the worst, basically. (laughs) And he talks about how to not be bored. And one of the things that he notices is that um, like finitude and and limiting of yourself is the cure for boredom. A lot of people Mm -hmm. think that the opening of options is the cure for boredom. I need Mm -hmm. to have more available to me. He says, no, Um, a a school child does not get to choose which teacher they have to sit under. Um, And they may have to sit under the most boring teacher in the world, but that same child can entertain him or herself all day long by catching a fly under a nutshell at his desk
1: classroom sounds super depressing. <laughs> I <laughs> imagine yes.
0: that 18th century or 19th century Dutch classrooms probably weren't the most thrilling places.
1: Yeah. Like you wake up in the morning and the best part about your day is eating those little pancakes. You um,
0: know, those pop- little pouches. Popper cheese?
1: I don't know what they... Hold on. We ate those in Amsterdam at yeah. that airport.
0: Let me look them up.
1: But I mean... <laughs> Profilarils. What did the what does people I mean, I know them as Obelskiven.
0: Poffertjes. P O F F E R T J E S.
1: Yeah, and they don't have the pocket, right? Are they There's identical? No because Obelskiven <laughs> are basically the same thing, but they have a pocket in them and I grew up eating those. Like Oh really? all the time in Christmas and stuff like that yeah
0: these are just little mini pancakes little like There's coin, like little, little coins like little silver, silver dollar, dollar
1: pancakes but puffier mm-hmm. and like generally given to you with toppings that I think ruin them
0: here you get you can buy a little a little uh, puffer cheese pan wait,
1: wait let me see you can make them that is an given pan
0: oh okay
1: but I don't remember the ones that we had in Amsterdam having a pocket no they, didn't they just have, had like powdered sugar on top they were like a small pancake donut is that the same thing? Yeah, same deal.
0: Okay. Well, anyway. Um,
1: so you wake up, that's the best part of your day. And then you go to school and you're in a super hot or super cold, boring school room with flies in it. How are you going to entertain you have yourself? like a nutshell yeah. that and you picked up on the way to school because you thought it was interesting. And point because that that's meaning, all you need. Yeah.
0: That's all you need.
1: I'm like this nutshell is beautiful. I'm going to pick it up and then it becomes useful to you when you're bored Mm -hmm. that's existential man
0: yeah but it gets even deeper with (laughs) kierkegaard so like that whole section on boredom um he would often write in pseudonyms so it wasn't actually him well it was him but it was him under another name Mm -hmm. and this particular book is called either or and he's writing it's weird like the the book is written from the perspective of an editor who discovers some letters written by someone else this is so, so there's like three levels of <laughs> pseudonyms <laughs> happening here. And it's like a conversation between people that take a different view on how to live life well. Uh-huh. And so like this guy is the esthete. He's the guy who's kind of in it for the, uh, you know, light, pleasure in life comes from kind of experiencing, the you know, beauty and these sorts of things. And so he gives all these advice on how to rom- romance and everything like that. And he's talking about how to cure boredom. Right now. And it's not even clear that that's what, mm-hmm. that that's what Kierkegaard actually thinks. Mm-hmm. He's just tried to put He's himself in there. all these different shoes. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting and confusing and fascinating. You
1: learn what you think best, I think, by attempting to think like someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. And he does it well. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, if you're bored in life, the answer, according to, well, Kierkegaard's character, his name is A, mm-hmm. just the letter A. That's the guy's name. Mm -hmm. According to A.
1: I was not familiar with this. Interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. According to A, um, it's limiting yourself. Like that's the cure for boredom. Mm -hmm. Don't go out and try to just, you know, create a life where you can have anything you want at any time. You will never be satisfied.
1: Never. (laughs) What What things do you habitually find yourself turning to to cure your boredom? That just never really get you there.
0: Um, probably my phone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with your phone, which is just a vessel of your own mm-hmm. ideas and interests? Well, it's either what looking. Do, you do with it's your either phone
0: scrolling or re- reading the news.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> the news, like mm-hmm. like how your grandma watches the weather channel. Mm-hmm. Like you just watch the news. Just look at the just news. Read the news. Read the
0: headlines. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is entertaining for a moment, but. It never leaves me feeling full,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I try to limit my news consumption to just once a day in the morning mm-hmm. so that I know, like, if something horrible happened in the, you know, hours that I was asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and then I try to yeah. stay away. hmm mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, there's a little Kierkegaard for your day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I saw on social media... Um, that Beth Allison Barr, who wrote The Making of Biblical Womanhood, a book that we read on this podcast.
1: Not all in its entirety, though. Right. I mean, that would have been illegal.
0: We talked We didn't read the whole book. (laughs) You can't... No, we did not record an audio (laughs) book. We walked through it together. And as well as uh, Kristen Dumez, who wrote Jesus and John Wayne, and a couple other women who I wasn't as familiar with, are doing Mm. a little online get-together. Yeah. And... I don't know what it is. If it's like a seminar or just a chit chat.
1: It's the woman who wrote the S-E-X book. Okay. Sorry, parents.
0: <laughs> um, uh,
1: I don't remember her name. It's blue. It has like a life preserver on it. Oh, no, no. That's the third woman who's in the conversation.
0: Okay, cool. Anyway, I just noticed the name of it. And the name of it, of their little get-together, is Tea and Tent Pegs. Ha,
1: ha, ha,
0: ha, 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 ha. So in case you're wondering what that is a reference to in Judges chapter 4 there's a female judge named Deborah who leads Israel's army against some Canaanite army and uh, there's another woman named Jael J-A-E-L and and in Jael like the the leader of the opposing army (laughs) is running he's running for his life from Deborah and Barak and the Israelites Mm -hmm. and uh, he happens upon Jael's tent Mm-hmm. And says, you know, can I lay down and rest? It was rest? like he
1: commandeered her tent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she and he says, and stand at the door, and if anyone tries to come in, don't let him in. And he lays down to take a nap. <laughs> and Does she
1: give him milk first? She gives him milk. Yeah, like a cup of milk.
0: He asks for water, <laughs> but she gives him milk. And, um, <laughs> and then once he falls asleep, she takes a tent peg and a hammer, and she drives it through his skull. Yep. She kills him. She's murksin'. Oh,
1: so
0: so, awesome. Uh, tea and tent pegs. <laughs> and so I read that and I was like, Am I welcome to come to this? <laughs>
1: is this for me? <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> or are they going to crush my skull?
1: It is pretty violent.
0: <laughs> it was jarring.
1: It wasn't funny to me at first. It was just like, Oh, huh, that's, that's cute. But now that we're talking about it, like from your perspective, it's funnier.
0: <laughs> it's funny and a little disturbing. Uh, a
1: little weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like uh
1: They're getting together for a webinar called Tea and Tent Pigs. Like and I think that's awesome. But I can see, Phil, that when you read that, you're like, mmm. What's uh, this mean?
0: Are you what? Like, a man was brutally murdered. <laughs> and that's the name of your little women's group. Uh well. Okay, anyway, what did you think of I hope that? I hope it goes well. Yeah. What do I think of the name? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I just said I thought it was a little funny and a little uh a little terrifying as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think tongue in cheek, they're definitely gonna go ahead and assume this conversation's for women. Mm-hmm. But men are invited.
0: It brings up another question. <laughs> um they okay, these women that are doing this this uh I don't know what it is. Zoom call or something. It's a webinar. The webinar. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. These women have been fearlessly and bravely uh, taking down toxic mas- masculinity within the church. Uh huh. We're living in a season that I think is really important. Like we're un- see, unfolding before our very eyes a, a pretty, I think, significant transformation happening.
1: It is pretty significant. Uh, I like wouldn't have foreseen it even like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't.
0: Like and these women are leading it, and um, I think they're changing things. I think it's mm-hmm. working, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're leading it in the most like awesome way possible, with pretty, highly yeah. academic and life-proven synthesis.
0: They're just like, laying down the arguments, yeah. and and it's not just them either. It's it's I mean it's the rise and fall of Mars Hill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know church called Tove. Laura Beringer and Scott McKnight?
1: I just learned hot, hot take. This is like a hot peripheral coming off the pan. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Peppergees?
1: (laughs) Peppergees. I just learned yesterday that Scott McKnight and Laura Beringer are writing another Tove book about church culture and like specifically how to create church culture. Really? Yeah.
0: Whoa. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll think about reading it. I don't know. <laughs> I think I've got that figured out.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some books just are not for everybody. But anyway. Um,
0: it, yeah. So where was I? Anyway. You we were listing
1: it, all of the cataclysmic Stuff's happening, all right? Things. Stuff's going down. And these are not things that happened quickly. It wasn't some sort of quick firestorm. These are projects that have, people have been working on for like mm-hmm. several years.
0: And, and, and like you said, there's are scholars that are writing yeah, these. Scholars. All these people that we've listed so far have a PhD. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know about the sex book lady, but everyone I don't else either. does.
1: But I, I mean like, this is like the best possible scenario where it's not just like people on Twitter having opinions. These are people who like have a body of work and a mm-hmm. career and then created incredible resources for us. So
0: you can't just write them off. Nope. That's, that's the cool thing. So anyway, here's my question. Um, as toxic masculinity is being deconstructed, and thank the Lord, uh, when and how and will a constructive project for masculinity rise in its place? Mm-hmm. That's what I've been wondering.
1: I mean, there are some questions. Like First of all, the term toxic masculinity can be problematic. Okay. Um, because masculinity... Whatever it is, you know, uh, all the things that it can mean, like, it isn't really toxic. Mm-hmm. It, you know, like, when we talk about masculinity and femininity, from whatever ways that you look at it, it's much more complex than generally we think. But the idea of something being toxic, like, toxic masculinity, like, Then what is good masculinity that question Mm -hmm. masculinity itself like whatever it is to like really understand it It's helpful to understand like it's not Like the problems with masculinity In quotes that we're talking about when we say the phrase toxic masculinity really are about just corruptions of power and Mm -hmm. they are things that uh, assert themselves and manifest in men and women and children, mm-hmm. you know, across kind, the globe. It's kind
0: of like the word whiteness.
1: Yeah. Like whatever it, these token words mean yeah. in a given culture, in a given time, um, it's just good to say like masculinity itself isn't really good or bad, but, they're, but we certainly need a lot of help having a broader understanding of what these things are, yeah. which and, is to your point, but also that the toxic problem isn't really masculinity, you know. Right. It's, it's not, not
0: masculinity is not necessarily problematic, yeah. but there's distortions of it. And when I said whiteness, what I, what I mean is that that's not simply talking about all the white people out there. When, when scholars use that word, it's talking about a particularly power structure that benefits a a people group, you mm-hmm. know? um, Yeah so anyway
1: like words have a lot of power Mm -hmm. but you know like to your point that you're talking about like if if we have all these conversations about toxic masculinity which maybe it's better to be said just like corruptions in relationships like corrupted power relationships are Mm -hmm. really a lot of it but there's also like within that it gets corrupted power structures work themselves out in every way that they possibly can in the world so like through Men, for example, how you're brought up as a male person in the world, wherever you live, and things like that. These corruptions have a particular nuance to them, right? Like boys don't cry, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> or men are dummies, and their wives are the only ones that can hold it all together. Yeah. That kind of stuff. All mm-hmm. of that is toxic, and can get called like toxic masculinity. But really, it's just a toxic understanding of power dynamics. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um and so the question for me is okay, it's good that we're that we're addressing that. Um what does a constructive uh, account of masculinity for the church look like? Because that's the advantage that the quote other side has. They have mm-hmm. clarity, you know. Um and when I say other side, I hate to phrase it that way. In fact, I would I would <laughs> withdraw that comment, but the the more complementary and hierarchical record yeah the more hierarchical view of uh gender relations um the the advantage that that view has is it's got clarity like it it can tell you its view of masculinity and femininity uh i think pretty succinctly um and as we as we you know try to deconstruct or I don't don't even want to use the word deconstruct. Like, we just try to bring a biblical view. Like, that's all we're trying to do. Not so
1: much deconstructing as contextualizing and filling out Mm pre-existing things we accept as true. Like, it's not about deconstructing anything as much as just turning the lights on in every room of the house.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a void, I think, that's opened Mm -hmm. uh, as far as we we're doing a good job of addressing the problems with previous understandings of masculinity and the the horrible things that it's led to mm-hmm. um but one thing's for sure and i mean there's all sorts of studies about this um like there needs to be a strong role for men right like then men need, and boys need to be taught what it is mm-hmm. and understand what it is um, which
1: is just i don't want to interrupt you too many times <laughs> but no, it's like okay. it's like what we're saying about um toxic masculinity being a bit problematic it's because it communicates that masculinity is the problem Mm. and then there's like you said a void of understanding of but what is masculinity especially
0: when you've been taught only with that grid
1: and you can't i mean like there are people who might say there's just entire fluidity and absolutely no predetermined difference to define between the sexes, and then the you know that's mm-hmm. few people though. I think right. I think most people, and this is of course not backed up by anything, have some sort of sense that like people are different, but there are trending mm-hmm. differences between. And,
0: and there's undeniable like evidence about the power of the father in the home. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you probably saw on social media this thing going around about how there's like these guys in some some underfunded school. The dads like showed up at the school. Yes. The dad's on duty. I think Where it Where did called. I see that? We should Google it and link it. But yes, some... it was,
1: it was on, um, was it on the dispatch? I don't
0: Where know. Where was that? It might've been. I, I think it went all over the place. It okay. kind of went viral.
1: I'll Google it right but,
0: now. But, um, these dad, like there was all sorts of behavior problems in a school and some dads were like, you know what? We're just going to go to the school and hang out. And <laughs> pretty much I think that's what they did is they just went and were present and mm-hmm. it just had this revolutionary effect on the, on the kids.
1: Yeah, Uh, it happened in October, Mm -hmm. that article. Yeah. So after a violent week of fighting in school that saw 23 students arrested in three days, Southwood High School parents knew something had to change. Some dads decided to take matters into their own hands. They formed Dads on Duty, a group of of about 40 dads who take shifts, spending time at the school in Shreveport, Louisiana. I have this CBS News thing that moves on the page if you don't (laughs) click out of it. So (laughs) it keeps going in front of what I'm trying to say. Uh. Uh Shreveport, Louisiana, greeting students in the morning and helping maintain a positive environment for learning rather than fighting. The students say it's working and the numbers prove it. There hasn't been a single incident on campus since the dad showed up.
0: Amazing. I know. <laughs> there's there's power to whatever masculinity is. We need to know what it is, whatever the proper biblical understanding of it is, because that just demonstrates the power of it. And I would, mm-hmm. I would sure hate to leave that void open for too long.
1: Uh-huh. And... You know, you can say whatever you think leads to that. Are we formed by society to believe dads have special power and therefore they had it? But no, like there's something there that men showing up and being present had this like power over Mm -hmm. what was going on that I think may not have been there if moms had been there. Yeah. You know, Um, and there are some things about that that are, uh, you know cultural formation just where we live you know sure. what we think but you can't deny that there are just certain things mm-hmm. that have like this deep deep power over us
0: how like, many of those kids probably don't have fathers yeah right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and just like that little taste of
1: or i've never had a parent come to school yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know for yeah. anything and so i mean that's amazing but just mm-hmm. like the idea that these dads just show up Mm-hmm. And it's just it's like so disruptive to these kids that it did something It's cool, it's cool.
0: So anyway, I don't have an answer today I, I just it's my this is my call like I'm asking um, for the church and for I mean folks like myself even to start to articulate a constructive view of masculinity mm-hmm. um, in the after the ashes you know in much needed project of of taking down this toxicity that we're mm-hmm. talking about
1: and you've got like john tyson who wrote that book the intentional father yeah yeah and and i haven't read whole it process i own it i haven't read it yet but and i'm sure it's good jim is actually going through the curriculum with hudson hmm. um i don't even remember what it's called i don't have anything to do with it but that's true um, that that
0: book might be the answer
1: and it and that's about fatherhood but the whole point of being an intentional father is to Lead your son into manhood, not fatherhood, mm-hmm. but like manhood. So the idea of the intentional father is that there's no one better than your father to teach you how mm-hmm. to be a man. And he will teach you how to be a man in many ways, whether you ever meet your father or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and know? I know that the, the, like the subtitle books, like raising sons of courage and conviction or something mm-hmm. like that. And so it's, yeah, let's come back around and start having that conversation. Courage and point. character. Courage and character. Okay. A
1: practical guide to raise sons of courage and character. And he has one coming out for daughters and oh. wa- and mothers right? or fathers, I assume.
0: Fathers and daughters?
1: I think it's fathers and daughters because he created it. He mm-hmm. took his daughter through it. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah that, that might be the beginning of an answer to my question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John that Tyson's one's full book.
1: of Barna research too. Like, it's not just ideas. Yeah. It's so, just stuff.
0: I'm going to throw this out there quick since we're talking about John Tyson. Uh, John Tyson is one of our heroes. He's one of our pastor <laughs> idols, right? Here.
1: Like, I consider John Tyson to be...
0: Is he your pastor? No, he can't. Second only to me. We cannot, we cannot <laughs> say he's my
1: pastor. We don't know each other, and I'm not going to call him if I get in a car accident yeah. and I'm at the hospital or yeah. whatever. But he is... My preacher crush. <laughs> for sure. He's one of mine as well. I got um, it pretty bad for John Tyson.
0: <laughs> I I cannot. I always come back to Bruxy Cavey. I yeah, do. Yeah, you do. I cannot. I can't quit him. I know. This is getting I weird. Can't. This um, is getting
1: kind of weird. But I, I would say Bruxy, Bruxy Cavey is great. I think there's like a, a way that he connects ideas that I can see would probably be pretty his, his self plus how he communicates complex connected concepts, I can see that being especially attractive to you.
0: Plus the Anabaptist thing I just think is kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
1: And John Tyson's like deep input, like he's got he clearly is well and widely read mm-hmm. and also extremely like practical, pragmatic I don't know if he's an INTJ or an ENTJ, but I'm an INTJ, and right. this man thinks like I do. Plus,
0: with a plus, with like a charismatic yeah, and like twist. this
1: like powerful bent of like, and you know what else? It's just awesome.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we love it. It's like yeah. Anyway, I I was gonna say, um, John Tyson is leading a retreat <gasps> yes. on communication, like preaching and teaching, mm-hmm. next year, and uh, it's like in an alp- alpaca farm in Vermont or Maryland or something. And, uh, it's like $3,500 for two and a half days. Uh-huh. Uh, so if anybody listening to podcasts wants to fund Megan and I <laughs> to go to this, we wouldn't say no.
1: It's true. It's like, I mean, we can't understate overstate how awesome this opportunity would be like it would and only be, 30 it would people It's only yeah. open to 30 people yeah.
0: now. Assuming that doesn't happen, there's also a conference, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot cheaper, but it's going to be in Portland, uh-huh. so we got to get to Portland.
1: I think that there's, don't we have flights, direct flights to Portland now? I don't know. With um, Allegiant from Des Moines. Oh.
0: Well, that'd be nice. Yeah. But then if that doesn't happen, there's also like a <laughs> on-demand master class or something. That's not the same. It's like $100. <laughs> <laughs> it's so worse comes to worse it's like when I'm all you have that.
1: left is tootsie rolls yeah you've got that in your halloween bag <laughs> like the butterfinger is that retreat right and then there's like the dots mm-hmm. that would be you know the so
0: <laughs> yeah. i'll be getting that master class come July, uh, january 1st <laughs> one way or another but I don't know. I'd love to be able to be. I just want to be in the room with those guys, Mm -hmm. John Tyson and John Mark Comer, and kind of that crew. Uh, I'm just like, I think, I think I could be their friend. You could be their friend. We could hang.
1: And honestly, like those types of things, like those those dudes, John Mark Comer and John Tyson, they got a lot of great stuff out there. Like they are just incredible communicators Mm -hmm. and so clear about the message. But, um. Also, I don't think that they hang out with women preachers very often. Really? Yeah. Christine Kane is on the... They're cool with it. Right. But I just don't think very many women preachers what exist. What about Susie Silk? <laughs> yeah. Well, of course. You know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean like these like conferences that they do mm-hmm. and like events and things like that. It's probably typically not a ton of women there yeah. who are preachers. You know, so like...
0: Do you sense that they're not, they're not putting enough... No, this isn't
1: blaming them for anything at all. I'm just saying it would be great for more women to be preachers to the point that they're thinking about going to something like that Mm -hmm. because it's like useful, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, to their craft, Right. you know, this is not like all those dudes are totally cool with women preaching. It's Mm -hmm. just that it's mostly guys at this stuff that I see them doing. That's so awesome on Instagram. Yeah. When I look at their stories, they're always with dudes and it's not their fault. It's just that there's so <laughs> many dudes who preach yeah, and not so many ladies. It's
0: true. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm going to be in one way or another getting some teaching, uh, um, in pre- teaching and preaching advice. you don't advice. know what
1: you're getting, Phil, for Christmas yet.
0: Whether it's through a ma- <laughs> master class that I buy myself or somebody <laughs> sends me to an alpaca farm. Like asking, will receive. I'm gonna be learning from John Tyson this next year. Mm
1: -hmm. So, cool.
0: Uh, This has been a really good meandering episode of the podcast. (laughs) I think (laughs) we sat down with nothing to talk about. Yep. We were just like, we'll see what happens. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And here we are.
1: That's right. It's been good.
0: (laughs) Not great. (laughs) Uh, Anything else to talk
1: about? no i do i'll give a little recommendation locally quick before we finish i just um got my first batch of red dragon tea they're a local company oh here in des moines shout that out. was really good yeah so shout out you can buy it all over town we need a bell um, like um, and the, Holy at the Post. farmer's market yeah we have one out there actually oh yeah let's um, start using it um but we have like a uh they're at the farmer's market. They're at some different stores around town, but you can just order it online too. And then it's just $5 shipping for the whole thing. Um, but anyway, it's really good tea. Cool. Like it's tea season, y'all. Yeah. Cider
0: it's, too. I've been...
1: I don't like cider, I but it. I know that you do cider. I didn't like used to. Cider.
0: I don't know what happened.
1: I actually just bought you guys some mulling spices from this tea place oh really because i wanted to be like this is good tea
0: wow that's so nice yeah uh you megan is the best yet. she's the best gift gift giver i am i'm that pretty I've good ever, at it that i've ever met probably i've
1: never met one that's as good as me
0: i mean you and have a picture of leslie nope sad. up here on the wall <laughs> and i mean i can see why
1: <laughs> okay red dragon tea i think they're in polk city maybe cool it's good stuff
0: all right thanks for listening everybody tune in next time